Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. Are you very welcome back to the Hawkeye Psychic Hurling Podcast with your host Mark Kennedy. I'm joined this week by a jubilant Limerick, Kieran Collins, uh, pretty optimistic Rory Walsh from Clare, and James O'Care, who maybe run the rule over Cork last weekend. Lads, how are things? Good morning, Very good. Good morning. Uh, Very good. Yeah, lads, before we start here, I uh, need to send our condolences to the family of Kate Moran here in Galway. I know based up in Galway, uh, this tragedy has really hit home to an awful lot of parishes here. Uh, Kate Moran tragically lost her life in a hurling match. Uh, our thoughts and prayers to so Kate Moran's family, TJ Brennan, boyfriend, wide circle of friends, Atmanroy, Ardrahan, and also Galway Komogi. Rest in peace. So after that, let's uh, kind of maybe move on. Last weekend, start of the Hurling Championship Games, we'll review round one in Munster and Leinster and also have a look at round two with some fascinating ties on show. Uh, maybe we can start with Munster uh, first and maybe we'll get Kieran in with you first. I know we had a few question marks over Limerick uh, going into this championship, but uh, a 225 to 117 win over Cork and Parky Keeve on Easter Sunday fairly spelled a few rumours and doubts in terms of the performance here of this team. Yeah, I suppose, look ourselves, we were not knowing what we were going to face and what Limerick team we are going to uh, line out. I suppose there was a lot of rumours coming into last weekend regarding certain injuries. Um, okay, Flanagan did lose out, but um, a strong team lined out with the the curveball thrown with Hayes going to the, the full forward line. You know, so and I think he, especially in the first half, he... Um, he caused pandemonium up there, like you know, he was just running at him. Um, a bit quieter maybe in the second half, but uh, at times it looked like he didn't know how to deal with him. Um, I suppose looking back, why did we even doubt him at all? You know, if you look back on last year, I suppose they timed it to run the championship to perfection, and uh, it looks like they were similar story this year. You know, two twenty from play. Um, the, the work rate, the intensity, you know, the tackling, the like hustling in twos and threes, you know, this they just literally bully Cork all over the field. And, uh, you know, some notable players missing, like Flanagan and, and Casey, but it still didn't seem to make a difference. It was just uh, the same performance that we've seen in last year's All-Ireland final and against Tipperary in the second half and once the final last year. And, uh, I think they've really set down a marker for the year. Perfect. James, we'll care. We might bring you in here. Proud Cork man. What were your thoughts? I mean, after 16 seconds, what a phenomenal start with Shane Kingston's goal. You went 1-2 to no score up. What's been the feeling down in Cork um, on, since probably the fifth minute on? Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely abysmal from Cork, to be honest with you. Um, we saw the team sheet the night before. I had some reservations when I saw the team sheet, but like we, I think we, we flagged it well in advance uh, in terms of the problems down the centre that Cork had. But you're kind of hoping really that um, they would go out and they'd front up and match Limerick's work rate. But unfortunately, what we got, and uh, like you, you spoke there, Kieran, about Limerick's work rate, we got the opposite from Cork. There was absolutely no work rate at all from them on the day. I thought the forwards in particular were very static, uh, no movement at all out there. Maybe the only one you could say that had a bit of work rate about him was Robbie O'Flynn. They conceded the puck outs to Limerick and like at times they just let them saunter up saunter up the field laying, laying, laying a glove on them. Puck out strategy all over the shop. Um so this like almost blind insistence and in overplaying it at the back. Um, you know, they weren't looking to play it forward, dithering on the ball. Anytime the defender got the ball, like they were looking backwards to Collins the whole time. And on a couple of occasions, like when they laid it back to Collins, he then laid it back and it came back to him again. And he was even gesturing to yeah, to the backs, like, what are you doing? Like the the frustration in the crowd, uh, particularly after the second goal, they were still persistent with us. It was just, uh, it was awful um, from a core point of view. And what they were like... You know, and a lot of the time as well, even when they were moving it, it was some of the some of the passing was kind of this high loopy stuff. So even if a like a man was running onto the ball, they had to kind of stretch to get it, which kind of killed their momentum anyway. And all this did like they thought Limerick actually started off sluggishly enough, but um, Corks kind of just are messing around at the back. It just invited Limerick on them, and it gave them a platform to kind of to kind of settle and get into the game. 
And once they did, they completely took over and it, it was uh, like it was men against boys. And, you know, you, you too many too many times Corker players were taking it into, you know, taking into into the tackle with Limerick and they were getting swarmed up. I, they were, I, I can't remember any rook that Cork emerged from. The support players really, really poor. Anytime a player was you know taken into contact with Limerick, to, you know, there was two or three Limerick lads around him and no Cork player um, offered as, as um, you know, as an outball. Um, and it, they seem to be marking space at times. Um, you know, obviously we we have flags. I think Coleman is an issue there at six, and he, he lacks the defensive awareness. But that first that first goal was just that first goal was abysmal. Like, um, you know, you you Cahillan and and Coleman over on um, on Hayes, and Cahillan was really poor to get caught. But Coleman, like the defensive awareness there should be that you should be, you know, you're going towards your goal is like that's where the danger point is. And both of them got both of them got turned the wrong way. And I, you, I, I understand that you know there should have been another player coming back to, to cover anyway because Hayes ran through completely unopposed. But you've two men there. You're thinking if you're another back, if you're Melrick or if you're you know uh, Larry Hayes, or you're look, you're looking there thinking you know you've two men on him. Your both men aren't going to get caught. With, like it's just it was really 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 poor. The second goal, um, I I, <laughs> I don't know what to say about the second goal. Like that was just. Uh, absolutely shocking. Um, there was like it all started off with a hospital pass from from Coleman. They did kind of um, they kind of got away with it, and you and the two or three chances to clear, they didn't. Took it same as most of the other uh, kind of scores in the first half. Took it into the contact. Limerick turned them over and got the score. I think like two sixteen out of Limerick's two twenty five were from turnovers, which says it all really in terms of work rate from Limerick and the lack of work rate from Cork. It was just. From a car point of view, it was just, it was just shocking, really. To be honest with you, you know. Rory, might get you in here uh, as a neutral viewer um, from a Clare perspective. What were your thoughts on the game? Because in fairness to Cork, there were four points down at the break. And there was a key save from Ricky Quaid uh, at the start of the second half, but after Limerick kind of re-established the platform again. But what were your general feelings on the game? Um, any worries here for Limerick defensively that you could see here uh, from that Cork performance? No, it, look, it, it was, I suppose, the first, the way Cork opened Limerick from the throw-in was worrying, and you were kind of thinking, you know, is this going to happen three or four times during the game? Is there, is there a, a deficiency here? But I, I think, like, that, apart from the second half as well, the second half and they went through and the save was made, that was kind of it, like, and uh, just being at the at the game and seeing it, like, up close, the, the way the Limerick forwards compared to the Cork forwards, it was chalk and cheese. It was like a different sport, actually. The way they hassled and harried the Cork players, gave them no time to like look up, pick out a pass. And the Cork forward line at the other end weren't really helping their backside either by just like sometimes they were just standing next to the man rather than like there was no diagonal runs or or another thing like a lot of the Cork players were in was kind of seemed to be, you know, just making a straight line run away from the guy with the ball, which is a very difficult pass, you know. Um, look, and uh, I think something we spoke about last week was if Cork had Cork learned from the league final. We'd seen how they hadn't really learned. Kingston hadn't learned from the All-Ireland final last year. We were kind of thinking maybe now they finally like are going to change the system. And we were wondering, are they too far gone down the line? And yeah, they, they stuck with it. And it was a hugely detrimental decision to like leave the, the backs the way they were with Coleman playing in, in a sixth role that he's clearly not able to do. And which is a shame because it's, it's a waste. And a, like you're wasting almost two players because you don't have a, a you know, a six or whatever that that's, doing the job that's needed to hold and like comparing them to the way Hannon was playing at the other end like it was again they're both wearing the same number but it was like two guys playing two different positions altogether. and then um but you're also losing then Coleman somewhere else in the field where he could actually pick up a few scores do some damage um but again like something we, we spoke last week was how O'Donoghue for um Stephen Bennett's goal stayed with his man and if you watch we spoke there about how Coleman got sucked in there when Kyle Hayes turned for the first goal but watch O'Donoghue again he stands next to Aaron Galan and doesn't leave him, at least come and force the pass. Like, the hand pass can go wrong. It gives a goalkeeper a chance to come out and swarm the land, maybe. But make him, make his, you know, take that pass rather than coming through. I know then you're saying three and one, but, like, he's already beaten the two boys and he's heading straight for goal. So, again, Sean, I don't know who, like, I thought should have came across there and at least, you know, for, force that extra pass. Can go wrong. Um, so, there, there are a couple of things that obviously hadn't been kind of, you know, um, maybe highlighted to, to the defenders from, from the Waterford game. 
But uh, yeah, it, it was just like Limerick were awesome. And the one thing I, I'd say you were talking about any worries from a defensive point of view, it's just the forwards again, like Kyle Hayes, the Limerick team has names now. Kyle Hayes is, hasn't made a, he's, he limped off with a hamstring strain. He's not back for the Waterford game. Just wondering about depth in the forward line. Um, you know, we, Pat Ryan came on, looks got an unbelievable score. Um, Ushin O'Reilly looked live when he came on, but these boys were started during the league and none of them really put up their hand as starters during the league. Um, so, yeah, Connor Boylan is coming in at 14, which is kind of an unusual one. Um, going for, I suppose, physically similar to Hayes, kind of if they want to keep with the way they've been training, maybe with a big man at full forward. Uh, but, um, yeah, it, it's kind of one we didn't, I suppose we'd all, if we were all to guess who was going to come in, we probably would have said Cahill O'Neill. But um, that's the one thing I would think about Limerick, maybe depth up front now with injuries starting to mount. Um, could be a slight issue, like... Certainly, Kieran might loop you in there. I mean, yeah, as Rory said, team news has been announced. Uh, Connor Boylan, what's your reaction? Yeah, it's um really wasn't expected, but I suppose yeah they're looking for the the big man inside. I suppose more so. Um, looking at that as well, I think Mulcahy needs is needs a big game. I don't think he was at his very best the last day. Doing a lot of work off the ball and doing a lot of donkey work, but um there is, you know, you're missing Kyle Hayes. Jamie Flanagan, Peter Casey, like three, three all-star players, you know, in your forward line. That's you know, big, big boots to fill. Um, but just going back to Cork, like I think a lot of people think, oh, we take home and out and put in a proper six, it's going to solve the problem. It's not. Like defensively, Cork are weak. It's like, it's like going for goal is their number one priority and defending is their second priority. Like Tim O'Mahony for Kyle Hayes' goal does not burst the goal to get back and, and block off you know, block the space or, or try and get back and help out at all. You know, very flahulically was getting back, uh, very loose. Um, you know, I I don't think, like Coleman, yes, he's not a six, but there's there's more issues in that Cork defensive unit um, than Cutland, the wrong man being a six. Um, but I think for, for Cork, it, it's on the bench. Like, okay, Downey came in as a temporary sub for, it was a Dunhu and Daff blood sub, eight or ten minutes. But that's two games in a row where they were getting destroyed and they made no change. Like, there was no plan B there. So, like, is it a case, this is it for them? There's no there's no one in, on the bench that could come on and change it up. Like, it was just, they've stuck with the same six guys for the last two games. Uh, I think they do have so. options there, but it's just that the management team just seem, um, uh, well, this is going to be the sort they die on, really, to be honest with you. Um, they just seem so entrenched in the position now that... Um, like the warning signs have been there for a long way out. Like, but um, you, you're right. Like, they, they don't seem to be. They don't seem to be learning. It, it, like, it, it just seems to be that they have their plan A, and that's it. And if plan A doesn't work, it's it's still plan A. There is no, yeah. there's no, doesn't seem to be any any uh, desire to change things up. And you you're, you can you're you're right. In what you're saying about uh, about Omani as well is that like you you almost have two kind of forwards there playing in the back line there with, with Coleman and Omani. And like you think they should change it for for the clear game, but again, I'm not sure if they will or not. I I I think they're I think they they're stuck in this. They seem to be stuck to this this game plan and just and stuck to this um, you know square pegs and round holes. And um, I don't see them changing it. Yeah, but if you look, you look, uh, Rory mentioned there Pat Ryan's point. You know, it was obviously a great point. But you two Cork players on him, and Pat Ryan stumbled. He still had time to get up and, and and get a shot away. And there wasn't a glove laying on him, you know. But if that was in the other if that was the other way around where you had a cork forward with two Limerick defenders, they would have him they'd have him wrapped up, you know. Um don't have to foul him, but hold him up and, and chances are he would have been penalised for overcarrying, you know. But there was just no intensity to the tackling, you know, it was just that there was two guys there on Pat Ryan, but just like they followed him, like, you know, there was there was no intent to Try and disrupt him or get the ball off him, and it was the same for Kyle Hayes. It was just, just like they were chasing him. They were chasing him all day, and um, that's that's going to take work. That's that's a system error. This is this isn't something they can fix by um, personnel change. This this is a system error for Cork. Indeed, um, I suppose plenty of food for thought for Cork on the bye week here, um, and again Limerick will. Proceed on to TUS Gaelic Grounds with remote watering tie against Waterford. And maybe we can get to that one here, guys. 
We kind of feared about Tipperary coming into this Munster Senior Hurling Championship, but I think it'd be fair to say, Rory, that they did quit themselves very well in Walsh Park on Sunday. And maybe if they had a bit more composure from the 63rd, 65th minute, they may have pulled up the upset here. Yeah, and Waterford got every start a bit like Cork against Limerick. Um, went up four points to no score and looked to be, you know, really on song. And, and there seemed to be real alarm bells for Tipperary. But the first goal settled Tipperary, um, you know, and... and that kind of you know brought them into it and gave a bit of composure to the to the debutants and like they have tons of hurling, as we could see. So we were kind of saying, okay, six or seven debutants, but they they're all crisp strikers of the ball, uh, use possession really well, and it was just that spell after half time that really killed them. Like there was going to be a reaction from Waterford, like the substitutes that came in, Jamie Barron looked to be flying as did Austin Gleeson, and um, yeah, it, it it that spell after half time was really like if you. I know you, you can't say in a game, let's remove five minutes or whatever from a game because it is a 70 minute game. But if you if you were to watch the game without watching the five minutes, Tipperary probably a better team. And they're now uh, full of hope going into the Clare match. I, I was kind of hoping to be the other way around that they'd be coming in demoralised. But a, a lot of hope in Tipperary now going into this game in Thurless, which is going to be a huge one this week. And Waterford as well. I think I think Liam Cahill still thinks Waterford will have a, a bit of a point to prove now against Limerick. Um, they were being talked up. Big time, Derek McGrath especially, couldn't but talk them up, which uh, for the last month he's been just blowing about how they're the team to beat. But now they have to like put up or shut up at the weekend because coming to the Gaelic Grounds, if they can't go toe-to-toe with Limerick now, you know, um, are they really going to be uh, contenders for an All-Ireland later on in the year? But you know, Roy, um, you could look at that a couple of ways. I think like the I've actually been working down on Walford for the last three days and like the amount of houses that have bunted and flags up, you know, there's there's hype in the county, you know, and I've been talking to a few guys and they're they're cocky, they're confident. We're going to beat Limerick, we're going to win the Ireland this year, you know, but for the team, like they have yet to do it in the last couple of years and, you know, they've been destroyed basically, two 11 point defeats, you know, in um, the All Ireland final and the semi final last year. Um, and so even I think Munster quarter final last year against Clare, they never showed up at all in, in Turles. Yeah, so but even team. yeah, but like yeah, if they don't lose, if they don't, if they beat Limerick Saturday night, I think the hype machine is just going to take off completely. You know, I actually think for Waterford, they will actually do no harm. Maybe in the long run, if they're to just lose by a point or two, and just realise, mm-hmm. you know, we're in touching distance with these guys, like you know. Mm-hmm. But I think if they win Saturday night, or if they win a monster final against Limerick, if that what pans out to be. That hype machine would be very hard to, to wrap up players from. Like, if you can do it for a week or two before an Ireland final. But you're talking from from end of April to the middle of July. You know, a lot of thoughts get into players' heads in that in time frame. So, I think you actually, it wouldn't be the end of the world for Waterford to lose, regard as long as it wasn't a big, heavy defeat. But I think the same for Limerick. You know, I think if Limerick were to lose Saturday night, I don't think it would define our Limerick season either. I think, you know, um, it would be up to water for then, you know, to to back up the performance. But I think the it would be the, the outside noise for Waterford would be the biggest um, contention for them. They're writing the crested wave. They're writing, they're writing the crested wave at the moment on the back of the like Ballygunner League, and then you're trying to bridge that gap between 1959. Like, there's no way that you can dampen dampen the expectations. It, it's going to be that way, no matter what. That's why I, I actually. I actually think the result on Sunday and the way the, the, way the game went was actually nice, will suit Cahill nicely because um, had they, I, I fully expected Waterford to be honest with you, to blow tip, out, blow tip away. I was, I was expecting eight, nine, ten, eleven point win, and um, you know t- they came away in a tough battle. Um, you know, got through it, and you know they got, you know, uh, Baron came on, Gleeson came on at half. That was another thing as well from from Cahill is. He's made his statement now to, to Gleason. You know, he didn't contest the didn't contest the red card, and um, you know, didn't start in the last day against Tip. Went with you know, he he, he went with um, what he had in the league, and um, and they still came away with the win. And um, I, I think ideal result for Cattle going uh, coming into coming into Saturday because it, it will will dampen things down in the squad anyway. You know, he's got plenty to work on to to keep their keep their feet grounded. So I think a good result for them. But this this will be the litmus test, like because if you look back, the the league semi final and final, like okay, they destroyed Wexford, uh, league final, you know they destroyed Cork, 
but the form of them teams has continued. Like Wexford were bad against Galway the weekend, and we're lucky to come able to draw. And Cork were bad against Limerick. So, how good are Waterford actually? You know, mm-hmm. you know, before the league final and, and maybe just after, everyone thought right, Waterford have just destroyed possibly the third best team in the country. You know, and you know, so I think Saturday night will actually tell how they yeah. close that gap, or you know, is there still a, a void between the two? And a couple of people said to me during the week. The bench Waterford have is incredible, but like they had to use them at half time because the starting team weren't so hot. Like Daly had to come off at half time, Montgomery hadn't booked the ball in the first half, he'd come off at half time as well. So, like, you only maybe was, the bench was so strong because he got the starting team selection wrong, he read too much into league form rather than kind of going with, let's say, Jamie Barron, who uh, apart from you know, a couple of times he's come up against Willa Dunne, who has like dominated midfield in most of championship games. And uh, just, yeah, I suppose, like, the, the, the boys have made the point of, um, you know, give us back our starting jersey. Um, but it will, look, I, I, I agree, the hype is still there amongst the fans. But, uh, James, yeah, you're probably right saying that it uh, probably dampened amongst the team now. And Liam Cahill can say, he thought you were this, he thought you were that, you're not. you got to continue to work hard or you're going over. Like, that's probably the message that was given to him this week. And it was fairly... No better boy as well than, than Cahill to, um, you know, mm-hmm. to... Um, to keep things in check as well, so he's like he seems like a very shooter operator on the line. So, go on, yeah, sorry, Kieran. Sorry, James. Oh, no, it was very bullish of him not to start. Uh, Aussie oh yeah, yeah, as yeah, well. yeah, yeah. You know, like it was a really, it could have been a gamble. You know, obviously they needed to bring him on at half time. You know, but I think he thought they might have been better themselves. Mm-hmm. And Mark Hill for Tipperary actually, he looked a real handful and. Uh, two goals well taken could have actually caused a bit of consternation in there as well like with, with other uh, there's a couple of goal mouth uh, scrambles that happened and he was at the centre but, but where they could have got another goal but um, yeah he's like just looking he'll be up against Conor Cleary another big physical player at the weekend uh, that'll be an interesting tussle and if if Cleary can keep Kyo quiet and stop him, stop him putting up the green flag like it'd be a huge boost for Clare's chances the weekend and McGrath, McGrath caused the broker problems as well for uh, for for periods, you know. So I mean, um, they they do have things that they um that they can they can certainly work on for But I I think it should be a cracker. Um, should be a cracker. I'm looking forward to that one. There was a point in the first half where Tipperary's, you could see, like, without the team that, that were rattled, Tip had completely rattled Waterford. You had the Burke hand passing at Todd Noel McGrath for a point at one stage. Like, sometimes it can it can happen where a team, like, are kind of caught colds, like a heavyweight punch or caught cold and they're rattled. And because Tipperary had nothing to lose in a way, they had shackles off, they were hurling really well. And Waterford were kind of thinking, what's happening here? I you think mean, Ford had a, Ford had a chance as well for uh, had he put that away, um, they could have been in right trouble. Like, you know, it was it was four in at a half time, and say on the balance of play, Tip could have been seven or eight ahead. And had they been seven or eight ahead, might have been a different story altogether. You know. But I think Waterford um, would possibly be better outside of Welsh Park. You know, once they get more space, like uh, like like Limerick, like once they get to Crow Park or. Parkyreve, Turles having that more space would probably suit their game, I think. It definitely looked inhibited, didn't I? Waterford, I think the movement, top tip were able to well contain him, but I have an awful lot of relations from Tipperary guys, and I hate to bring up the officials here again, but Johnny Murphy and the officiating here, and leading up to Tommy Dunn's red card, and the aftermath of this looks as if there's a proposed three-month ban for Tommy Dunn here. I think given the Mikey Kiley pull in the air, that seemed to really stirk an awful lot of temporary management. There had been a, consu- a succession of frees here. I can remember the Craig Morgan free for the second Stephen Bennett free. That looked fairly harmless. But I think there was a catalogue of incidents here that Tommy Dunn went to Johnny Murphy on and yellow card suddenly turned red, which now has suddenly turned into a three-month uh, ban. I don't know in terms of the Tipperary effect from that, but definitely the 10-15 minutes after half time, it seemed to rattle the tip an awful lot in terms of concession of those two quick goals. But both Tommy Dunn being not on the sideline for Tipperary on Sunday. That's a huge loss for Rory uh, going into that clear game. It is, and and three months like he's basically out for the championship if it's a three month ban. And uh, yeah, like it looked the only thing he did it very publicly it was right in the middle of the pitch. Cameras are on live, and and you know we know the GA are gone completely paranoid now about officials on pitch. Uh, I was on the sideline even at a minor match during the week and. Renan gave water to the wing back and I was fourth official and up and told me you cannot go on with water he has to come to you and <laughs> you're going to get break and play what harm is running on with a bit of water but they're gone so paranoid over it. so to see a uh, member of management kind of you know 
chastise a referee in, you know, while in the middle of the pitch. Look, it, it was silly out of Tommy Dunn. Like, there probably was a better time to do that quietly, maybe, as he's coming out from the tunnel or, you know, but not cameras on, middle of the pitch where everyone can see you. Um, what I thought was worse, like, the, the Mikey Kiley one, like, if you watch it, like, he is watching the ball all the way and he's and the tip player does step across him. It looks more like an unfortunate... I don't think there's any, you know, intent. No, yeah. no there was no intent. The other one was, was the, the throw for the... Like, they're blowing hand passes and this was the most blatant of... Yeah. Blatant throw across for, for the second goal, wasn't it? It was the second one where he threw it across the square. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that had to be kind of called... Um, yeah, that, that was that was the big one for me, like, because we're, we're talking about uh, how they're so strict in hand passing, and there we have one that leads to a goal, and it's not pulled, like, so, yeah, I, t- I think Tip, you know, genuinely had grievances there. But I actually heard Derek McGrath, he was on, he was on, uh, was he on the, he was on the, uh, discussing the, ha- the, the hand passing rule, and he's um, very much um, against them pull, blowing for the hand passes, like, but you, like, you can't be throwing the ball around, I mean, like, it, it is a skill in the game, and there, it, there, there is an emphasis on the player to, you know, to to show that the, the, the bit of distance between, like, that you know, that you are making a proper pass. It can't be on the ref the whole time. Like, like, there is a there is an onus there on the player to, to mm-hmm. accentuate the movement, and you can't like like Derek McGrath saying that, you know, that he's coaching t- teams at the moment, and um, Tim Daly was asking him, saying, "Are you blowing up for it?" He said, "No," because we want to, you know, we want to transition the ball quickly, and um, it might look like a throw, but it, like they are like. A troll is a troll. You have to, you have to be calling it. Mm-hmm. The only thing I, I think about it is, you know, a lot of the time a player is running, but he's back to the ref, and the ref can't actually see the hand pass. So it's it's a hard one to officiate in. Um, well, I think the know, directive to be given is, if there's any doubt, award a free. Yeah, so, it's, so there's no clear cut. But I think, aside, yeah, okay, definitely, it's a skill of the game. But I think an issue they need to look at as well is steps, you know. Um, Curran, he must have taken eight or ten steps before the pass is given for the goal like you know so I think it's a bigger issue um, than potentially the hand pass you know in Wexford well Concannon took a lot of steps oh, yeah, did, uh, well. yeah oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I think sure. every game you can pick out uh, and even you see a player maybe running on the wing and he, he's, he's motioning to strike but he, he's taken he's taken 10-12 steps you know before he strikes the ball I think that's something that maybe definitely should be looked at maybe not this year, but you know, f- focus in on the hand pass and maybe next year on steps because I think that's uh, there are two rules which are very hard to officiate. But you know, I think I suppose you you highlight an area and I suppose it does. You can see players now who are actually over um, accentuating the pass and you know and making it making it known that it is a proper hand pass. You know, so uh, I suppose highlighting the rule is no harm if it, you know mm-hmm. as long as they're consistent with it is the problem. But you know, like for a defensive point of view, a defender forces his man to overcarry, and like he should be rewarded with the free. It's good defending to force the steps, and then you, like you can't get the ball off a guy if he takes ten steps and runs past you at pace. Like what can you do apart from fouling him? So if you force him to overcarry, you should be rewarded for it. It's uh, I know there's letting the game flow, but at the same time there's like there's rules, and everyone knows you might get away with five six steps. It's marginal, but when you see eight nine steps and goals being scored from them, like that's where I think you know. Where refs really should come in there. I think I counted eleven and eleven for the for the goal they got. Uh, that you know, which is um, just ridiculous, really. But it's the consistency, as you said, Kieran. That's what you want from refs. Mm-hmm. Thank God, Johnny Murphy's a numeric anyway, Mark. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Now, in, fa- in fairness, now um, to um, to other officiators have seen the Irish Examiner on Monday. I mean, all in support, and I think. There were marginal calls, but I think there's probably a back story to that in terms of Lockmore Castellani going down to Walsh Park. And I think somebody officiating down there left an awful lot to be desired from a Lockmore Castellani perspective. And maybe that's the reason why John McGrath uh, was kept on the bench for so long. I mean, I think for Tipperary, they'd like to Dan McCormick to come in, John McGrath to come in. I think the deputants did very well as well, like to Jason Quigley, Dylan Quirk, Connor Bow. But I think Connor Bow is very doubtful. He got a nasty hand injury in that opening period. So, but I, I think for Bonner, I think a very useful performance from the team, but I suppose we can get to the Clare tip preview in due course. I suppose we can switch to Leinster here, guys, uh, getting a lengthy one here, but um, Wexford Galway in Chadwick's Wexford Park, 119 each. I suppose, Karen, being based in Wexford, what's been the immediate reaction to the performance first off and to get the draw second? 
I suppose there's no doubt that they, they stole a draw, but I think it was more so, you know, it, it was Galway's game to close out and they didn't do it. You know, they were 118 to 15 points with eight minutes to go. Um, I don't know, I think we've questioned it a few times over the last few pods that, you know, the, the bottle in Galway and, you know, how huge is it that Canning is now gone and like if you'd imagine, you know, if Canning was there, would this have happened? Like, you know, um, Connor Whelan was going to have to feel injured. So, like, there was no real, I see, there was no real leaders up there for Galway, you know. Um, and Wexford's point of view, I think Chin came on, to be fair, shows how good he is. He changed the game. Um, you know, five points and whatever, a few minutes he was on, four and from freeze. Um, that last three, you know, was huge. Like, for a guy who has very little hurling done, he's only four or five weeks back training and, you know, 10 minutes. He got 10 minutes in the league and, and now, you know, this, and by all accounts, it's as good as they're going to get out of him because he's he's nursing a hamstring injury and he doesn't have a full championship in him, you know, so I think it's they're going to wrap him up as best they can. Um, Rory O'Connor, you know, it's kind of like Wexford had their best games in the league. Um, you know, I look back at the Waterford game, he was really struggling. Same again on Saturday, you know, Kind of a shadow of what he had been in the league games. Conor McDonald had a very good game, one two, and it was just, you know. But there's a an issue with Wexford where there's, the forwards are struggling to get good ball in, and uh, you know I think they if they had gone back to the the way they played in the league and you know getting the ball in, you know you know did something needs to change because they're they're being starved to go ball in there and uh, they're basically living off scraps. Um, I, looking at Galway, I think. Mallon had a great game, you know, and I've I kind of really been a fan of his for the last few games. I think he's been superb, and uh, it's it'll be a tough ask to go into. You'd imagine Whedon's going to miss a, a game or two or a few, whatever it is with the hamstring, how bad it is, and he's going to be a huge ask. I think the whole game reverts around him, and uh, yeah, it's um, you know it was a, a probably a poor game, but you know it was Galway's game to. To close out, they didn't do it. Exactly, Rory might get you in here as well to be a fly on the wall in that Galway dressing room at full time with Henry Shefflin in there. I think he does now see the the task that's ahead of him in terms of Galway closing out games. But what was your general feelings of Galway, particularly in that second half? I think the last quarter was that they seem to be reduced to the attacking force and really were kind of made to hang on there for the last ten minutes. Well, even the first half they were so wasteful. They could have been twelve points up at half time easily. Um, so when when they were, you know, Wexford were always going to you know have a spell, and they often associate Wexford with kind of these late gung ho comebacks, uh, and uh, you just had to kind of well they were completely on top, uh, they needed to put them away and they didn't, kept them in it, kept them in it, and then um, yeah shot themselves in the foot at the end, and Conor Whelan's going off was massive, like he was physically he was uh, like Wexford a big man at the back with Ryan and O'Hanlon and. Just having a guy up there who can mix it with them and hold the man off and win dirty ball, and when he went off, they were la- completely lacking that in the forward line. Um, again, like uh, yeah, I, I like to speaking of positives for Galway. Um, Jack Grealish, cornerback, um, did a great job. Rory O'Connor, and it's kind of you you want uh, cornerbacks to be on the edge, and he's a guy who's playing right on the edge of you know of, of what legal, what isn't, and I'm sure Henry Shefflin was kind of you know completely delighted with that performance, and, and kind of a guy you can now put on. A talisman of, you know, where, where, like Dublin, if um, I suppose Fergal Whiteley or something like that, who we might see as the biggest threat. <laughs> if um, Burke is, goes into full forward line, maybe he might pick him up. But it's great to have a guy that you can say, Do you know what, if you mark Rory O'Connor, he's probably going to, you know, mark any of the top guys. And uh, yeah, well, well look, they, it's back to the drummer in a way for them. It must have felt like a defeat coming out. And they are lucky they have Westmead coming up next because they'd have to pick themselves off the floor for a Kilkenny or, you know, even a, a Dublin who they've had massive problems with in recent years, Galway. But the Westmead game gives them a chance to, you know, settle things down a small bit again. Um, it gives also Conor Whelan another chance to get fit. Uh, Jason Flynn back training gives him more time as well. Um, because, yeah, if anything, at the very end, that's where they looked light up front at the end when, when um, yeah, as you said earlier, when Whelan went to just... Uh, like they were David Burke, Johnny Cohen, they were bringing in, but they're not forwards. Like you, they needed a good forward to come in there, cause a bit of, like Wexford. If they had somebody like a Lee Chin to come in, anyone at all, just stand up and win a ball. But 
yeah, m- m- must feel like a crushing defeat in one way. But at the same time, I suppose they're probably thinking could have been worse if they had lost the game. It would have been, you know, it would have put them right, you know, up against it as well. They probably see, uh, probably see themselves still getting through. Like, uh, yeah, it, but now the game is against Westmead and Leash are going to be important in terms of score difference as well, especially with a draw. So it does it does make the championship very interesting. And if there's another draw this weekend, let's say Wexford and Dublin, then that completely throws cat amongst the pigeons again. So mm. absolutely, Rory. Maybe James will get you in here as well. I hit and start picking here again. But um, this Connor uh, Cooney free reversal. What were your thoughts on that? I thought it was harsh, to be honest with you, uh, and a critical moment as well in the in the game. Um, I think I think they highlighted in the Sunday game was it where um, for Chin's free he actually took about three seconds longer. Um, like it, I, I I I didn't agree with the call at all. To be honest, um, thought it was thought it was harsh, um, and. Um, well, you know, got got you. You can blame Galway for not closing out the game, but the reality of the situation is, had that not been overturned, Wexford wouldn't have got the um, Wexford wouldn't have got anything out of that game. It was a critical, critical moment of the game, as was actually um, um, when Cooney was through, when he all he had to do was slip the slip the pass through, and the game was over. Well, um, but yeah, I I thought ref got it wrong for me, Mark. I suppose as well from a Galway standpoint, I think more the disappointing part about that was uh, the reaction of Galway. Straight from the the restart, I mean, um, you know, there was a, a second ball win from Wexford, and then over the bar, and then puts the game in knife edge. So I think from Galway locals' perspective, they've seen a few positives here, particularly with like support Mannion, uh, Brian Cannon, Tom Monaghan. They know they're not to finish art, but by any stretch of the imagination. But I think it was that that kind of fading away, particularly from mid second half on. And I suppose Kieran Valuda, to you know that talisman, Joel Canning would have probably stepped up hit a vital point or two just to kind of keep the scoreboard ticking over. Uh, but it just seemed to be that the Wexford crowd seemed to get more and more into this match as Wexford were kind of getting in there. But I think it might raise a bit of a question here defensively. The goalkeeping, the puck-out strategy, guys, from Galway, I just didn't understand it, didn't figure it out. Aina Murphy just literally hitting long majority of the time. I'm just wondering if there's any kind of change of tack here from Shefflin and the management going forward because... It's all been good to drop ball in for likes of Whelan, um, or Cooney, Joseph Cooney, big units, but there has to be a bit of variation to the goalkeeping puck-out distribution, wouldn't you say, uh, Rory? Yeah, look, uh, as we saw even with Cork, where puck-outs were, they were forced to go short in a way, and you're kind of thinking maybe if they kind of went long a bit more because they weren't able to play the ball out through the Limerick lines, Galway probably should have went the other way and maybe forced Wexford onto them and tried to play the ball out. Maybe it's something that's like... Henry Shefflin, like Henry and them aren't confident yet in that Galway's ability to play the ball out through the lines. Uh, but yeah, look, it, when your puck out strategy becomes predictable, um, teams at this level are able to kind of, you know, adjust. And like, so when they see Galway going long, they're just going to get lots of men around the ball, Wexford, where the ball is breaking. And it, it's something that you have to vary things. Can't make it predictable for your opponents. And uh, yeah, it's something I suppose that they'll, they'll look at and I presume Westmead in a way gives them a chance to maybe learn from that game and adapt things before they meet Kilkenny the week after. So, as I said, it's a blessing for Galway that they're not going straight into Kilkenny and that they have that game in between, I think. Do we Absolutely. know how bad Whelan's um, hamstring injury is? Because I think that's critical for Galway. If 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 he's out, um, they're in serious trouble, I think. Uh, like, they, they, they pretty much rudderless after he went off and kind of kind of fell apart. Like, um, you're looking there at the likes of... I kind of had, Kind of thinking Evan Nyland might be one of those guys that um, stepped up to the plate this year, but he he did not for anything. And uh, if Whelan's out, you know, yeah, they'll, they'll get over Westmead. They should get over Westmead. If Whelan's out for the Kilkenny game, they could be in a bit of bother there. You know, you're uh, you lose that, and you're you're uh, it's all better off then in terms of um, you know uh, Dublin might fancy their chance. It's just I I, I think Whelan is Whelan's massive. Well, like, yeah, no respect to Westmead, but I think. Whelan will be shut down for this weekend. I think they should have more than enough. I mean, Galway's record against Westmead in recent meetings has been pretty impressive. So I think you may see maybe one or two French players, maybe like Donald O'Shea, maybe coming in, uh, making an impact as well. So I don't expect to see Whelan. And I think the West, uh, the Kilkenny game, round three, that might be a little bit too soon for him, uh, to be fair. But again, there's nothing really coming out from the Galway kind of camp here. Um, it had been very quite leading up to the Wexford game unbelievably quiet you maybe have heard a 
you know, rumour or two, but nothing really emanated from the camp. So it, it's a fairly tight camp at the moment. So we won't really know much about Whelan until definitely the Kilkenny game in round three. Like they look concerned when he was going off. So that that would lead me to think that um, it could be, it, 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 maybe, you know, he might be out longer, longer term, but I suppose we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, strangely, the physio like seemed to, you know, kind of send them back in for a few seconds and then Whelan tried to jog and... Yeah. Well, I, was, I was kind of wondering, I was saying, because it looked like a hamstring pull straight away. And then um, he kind of, the physio seemed to like check it and give him a green light. And then immediately Whelan was turning saying, oh, I can't run here. So uh, yeah, it looked, looked pretty serious. Um, uh, whereas Kyle Hayes's looks didn't look as severe. I know it's hard to judge us watching on TV, but they didn't look, uh, you know, he limped off and the, then you had, uh, yeah, Whelan's did look more serious. And you're not replacing like for like with Whelan because they don't have another Connor Whelan. He's a one-off player, like just that raw kind of aggression and ability to win high ball, low ball, dirty ball, and score as well with it and pace. Like, um, they, yeah, they yeah, he does, and they don't have a like for like. Like if they're putting in Gavin Lee, a leaving cert student in in there, and it looks for him like I know he, the only way he's going to learn is is kind of thrown in at the deep end in a way. But it looked like, you know, it it looked like kind of he didn't have any real impact when he did come in and. Um, Yes, yeah, so, so is Shefflin going to go back for him again in against Kilkenny? Probably not. Um, so yeah, it, I suppose they're lucky enough, Galway, that it, it is where it's meet they have next, and it's not like the dub, if it was Dublin next weekend, that that could be that could be interesting, you know. But they they, they do have that, you know, they they'll get over Westmead, and then I suppose it's all all focus for the men is on the Kilkenny game. Yeah, absolutely. Because maybe we can go to the other two games in Leinster and. I think last week I was very, you know, trying to be optimistic for Leash and Westmead, but my God, Leash ran Dublin incredibly close in Parnell Park. 122-15, Dublin winning. And I mean, take Donald Burke out of this side Dublin right now. And I think Dublin could be in all sorts of trouble here, um, Kieran. Yeah, but they probably were in control. I think it was, there were seven, <clears throat> seven points up with two minutes to go in normal time. I think, yeah. One two kind of closed it up and left them sweating a bit, but I think they they had eighteen wides as well, you know. So they obviously they were getting the chances on goal. Yeah, Donald Burke was uh, immense, thirteen points, six from play. Um, players there like Roland Hayes really disappointed me. Like you know, I think he did a great club campaign um, last year, and he just hasn't brought that form to the Dublin team. Um, at the start of the league, we were saying you know Dublin were impressive and. Well, as the league went on, you know, they've just, it's like they've ran out of steam. Um, take, not taking away from Leash, you know, to give him a good battle. And, you know, how good is Roland? Like, you know, 1 2, you know, and had a fair go at the last three as well, you know, which could have won the game for him, you know. But, um, yeah, Dublin, they're, they're, they're a hard team to read. I think for them to, they lead everyone on farm to, to come out of Leinster. Um, and I think, the weekend's game against Wexford will be will be their their final really because I think the winner of that game is probably more likely the the team who might progress. Yeah, yeah you were exactly. talking about you were, sorry, uh, Mark. You were speaking about Hayes not delivering. Like Kyo never scored. Uh, Eamon Dillon never scored. Taken off. Suckliff never scored. Taken off. Mm-hmm. Like that's half your forward line. Like gone in a home game against Leash and um, what was interesting like was was bringing up Roland and, and going for goal went from seven points four but suddenly they're back in it because Cork um, had a 21 yard free with three minutes left they're down nine points and you're thinking Cork need a goal and Hargan taps it over the bar and you're kind of wondering if they're ever going to have any chance like there's three, three minutes of normal time left plus injury time at least if they rattle the goal in they have some chance but uh, fair play to Leash for like actually going for the juggler like bringing up the keeper getting the goal and as you said Last puck of the game as well, that uh, 21-yard free as well, that, uh, you know, that just kind of got deflected out. They could have snuck it, like. They could have snuck it, all right, but I, like, what Kieran was saying as well, Dublin had a amount of wides, like, living in the first half alone, and some of them were, were bad wides. So, yeah, they could have been caught at the end, but they, it, they were kind of, they were pulling away towards the end there. So, I, I think maybe, you know, the... Yeah. Two point defeat flattered flattered leash in the end. But Dublin aren't Dublin aren't firing all cylinders, so that is set up um, against Wexford for yeah, that should be because Wexford aren't playing brilliant either. So um, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't say with confidence 
Dublin aren't great at the moment, but you wouldn't say that Wexford are, you know, you couldn't say Wexford will definitely beat Dublin at the weekend. So it'll be interesting to see how that one goes. And that is what you were saying, Kieran, is that's huge. Whoever loses that is, is pretty much done for them, isn't it? I do think it's advantage to Wexford though, because like Wexford Park is such a hard place to go. I think Galway saw that, you know, Galway were always full of chances, but there's a breeze comes off the coast there and, you know, you won't see it on the TV screen. It's, 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 it, even on a, on a calm day, it's a, it's a fair breeze. I think Galway kind of struggled with that, um, with, you know, with the amount of wise they had. And, you know, I think Dublin, like, they'll really have to improve on their, on their shot taking if they're going to have any chance of beating Wexford, you know, especially with that wind as well. Yeah, I think even Dublin has spelled the squad depth. I think he's been exposed. Liam Rush hasn't really featured all year. There's injuries to several other key players. Maddie Kenny was quick to point that out. I suppose trying to deflect from... It, it looked a nervy performance from Dublin. The, the, the wide count here, as you said, 18 wides, really kind of told the tale of the tape. They were a little bit, you know, panicky in terms of shot selection, but there is a good injury list here. And I suppose Owen O'Connell back defensively. If anything happens to him defensively, I think they may be in a little bit of serious bother. So, I mean, maybe Matty Kenny trying to put the pressure on a little bit on Wexford saying that Dublin are going down maybe as kind of underdogs. I suppose we won't really believe that um, within the Dublin camp, but did think that there was a little bit of psychology there, but there are injuries there for Dublin to contend with. And I suppose we can get to Kilkenny as well. Now, kudos to Westmead. They put up a lovely performance up until half time. but classic Kilkenny once they sent it blood in the third quarter. 5.23, full-time score, and TJ Reid getting good game time, um, I suppose. Karen, any thoughts there from Kilkenny? I suppose the usual suspects uh, were on the score sheet pretty prominently. Uh, sure, Kilkenny have the advantage of being able to, I suppose, you know, wind it up a little bit slower. But other teams have had to, um, you know, there was only three points in it after 45 minutes. And uh, I think a combination of Westmead, given they're all in the first half and the legs starting to go, um, you know, space started to appear and, um, you know, Kilkenny or Kilkenny, they'll, they'll expose them. But uh, I thought Killian Dye was very impressive with 14 points for Westmead, you know, so real nice hurler. But uh, yeah, Walter Walsh, you know, one, two. He seems to have a bit of consistency going with him this year. You know, the form is good going into the championship and Parnick Walsh as well. Like, you know, every day he's been out centre forward, you know, four or five points from play. So he's, I think he's been immense. And obviously TJ's coming back in and he'll get another bit of game time against Leash. And, uh, you know, I, th- I for me, I still think Kilkenny are the team to beat Leinster. Perfect. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right. Yeah, but like you, you said it there at the start, Mark. You know, fair play to Westmead. I mean, they were ten points six up after twenty five minutes and really competitive until until um, Billy Ryan's goal and then his red card as well, and it all kind of fell apart. Then after that, but um, uh, they were very competitive for for long periods of the game. So um, you have to admire them. Absolutely. Kudos there to Leash and Westmead anyway. And I suppose uh, we can get to the preview of round two here, uh, guys, in Leinster. You have Wexford entertaining Dublin, Kilkenny uh, entertaining Leash, and then Westmead to Dublin. Um, I suppose, guys, predictions-wise on these games, maybe we start with yourself, Rory. Yeah, I'd be thinking Galway, Kilkenny, obviously, there, and Wexford, Dublin. Yeah, I'd agree with Kieran that I just fancy Wexford with the home advantage and everything. But again, like Dublin... Uh, Dublin will have no fear of them. They're going down there now, point to prove maybe after the leash game. But look, I just hope, yeah, Joanne, I hope, I hope it's a belter and it's kind of a real drama in it. But I just have a feeling that Wexford may be that bit further along than, than Dublin, the team that promised so much early in the league. And like, uh, let's not forget, Dublin looked like they were going flat out in the league as well. They really wanted to get to the league final, and um, but it didn't work out for them. And I just wonder sometimes, uh, Parnell Park, does it suit them at the moment? Like their best performance last year was against Galway and Croke Park. And uh, I know this whole thing of small ground and well ambush teams in Parnell Park, I don't think it actually suits the way they play and you know, the, the kind of at, like the likes of Suckliffe, real athletic players and kind of hemmed in a bit in, in Parnell Park in a way. But yeah, look, um, they need a big performance, Dublin. Um, Matty Kenny needs a big performance. Um, it's time for him now to, to deliver. Uh, he's been there a few years now and he can't keep going about injuries. He's had years to build up a bit of depth in the squad. Um, so, But look, uh, yeah, I just fancy Wexford maybe in a tight one. James? Um, well, Kilkenny and Galway in the in the other two are right. And I think I'd probably agree with uh, Rory and Kieran there and that um, home advantage will probably swing it for, for Wexford for me as well. Um, Dublin... 
struggling at the moment and they do seem to be running out of steam in terms of um, in terms of their squad um relying on the same the same players and yeah wait for the shade for me yeah and Kieran? yeah Kilkenny, you know they'll i think they'll ramp it up a little bit more than what we saw the weekend and it'll be all eyes on Galway week 3 uh so Kilkenny. um yeah, Galway, obviously, I think we'll see a big bounce back from Galway because they, you know, I think players themselves will have a point to prove to, to Shefflin. You know, a lot of players didn't perform, likes in Ireland and um, Mannion and players like that. So I think you'll see a pretty hefty score. And I think, I think Wexford, I think home advantage is huge. Um, they have players who are maybe on a little bit more form and they have a bit of a more of a bench in Dublin. So I think based on that, I'm going to, I'm going to say Dublin. Oh, sorry, they'll have, Wexford, more a, Wexford, they'll, Wexford. they'll have more of a spring in their step as well. Like, like I, I, they didn't play brilliantly against Galway, but the fact that they came away with the draw, I think um, that set them up quite nicely. So um, I, I think they'll, yeah, they have a bit more momentum coming into it than Dublin. Yeah, I'll probably go with you, Karen, in terms of those predictions as well. I suppose moving on to Munster then, Rory, you've been waiting patiently. Talk about Claire, probably 50 minutes in now at this stage into the podcast episode. What's Same your hopes for me. Sunday? To, to be fair, um, uh, what's news coming out of the camp? Any kind of maybe left field selections that we should be uh, thinking about here ahead of tip? Yeah, Shane O'Donnell is going to start and um, hasn't played, I think, in 16 months for Clare. Somebody was saying, but he's uh, concussion last year, hasn't played championship in 16 months for Clare. Um, but apparently he's a, a new Shane O'Donnell lord has gone around and bulked up Shane O'Donnell who uh, a lot more physicality than he, than he had uh, played in against Galway recently in a challenge game and meant has meant to have done quite well so like you could see uh, um, Meehan Shane Meehan uh, who you know looks a real uh, a re- real talent full of pace and just a, himself and Shane O'Donnell inside would be a real handful like for the tip backs uh, just if we can get ball into them would be the question and maybe Ian Galvin or somebody then playing the false full forward role. So, yeah, so there's a lot of optimism about them. Like, there hasn't been a word. You're talking about the Galway camp being tight-lipped. Not a word about Clare. Um, yeah, uh, like the backs, as we said, a very worrying start to the league. And they seem to just kind of, you know, tighten things up as it went along. Um, Dermot Ryan is back fit now as well. He didn't play against Limerick, remember. So... He might actually, I don't know, will they go at the half-back line? McInerney, John Conlon and um, Jack Brown did quite well against Limerick. And it's probably clear his best line that day. So maybe Jeremy Ryan might slot in midfield. He can really play from half-hour line back to half-back line. So maybe it's one position he hasn't really played for Clare yet as midfield. So he could slot in there. Like we have a few long-term injuries. Aidan McCarthy, um, Aaron Shanahan is injured as well. He's out for this game with an ankle injury. Uh so I don't think he's going to make it to 24. And uh, Mark Rogers is probably out for the whole championship as well. So there are losses. But the only place I'd say we can kind of absorb losses is in the forward line. Because you're still going to feel feel the forward line. Cahill Malone, Tony Kelly. Um, David Fitzgerald did okay centre forward there during the league. We'll probably play. And then you still have um, Ian Galvin. Um, Meehan will as, Doug, as start? That's, that's the question. Like, uh, it depends on, on how how well he's gone in training since the league because in the league he didn't look like the same Duggan that was there. He, it's a big break to take two years missing and the game has actually moved on a small bit for wing forwards. Like you look at Cahill Malone who does, he's like the modern wing forward like the Garrod Hegarty type getting back into the back line, driving forward a pace, taking scores from distance and he, Duggan, I don't know, is he as dynamic as that? Is he going to get back into the full back line? Um, we'll see, but maybe it could be. We're talking about left field. Maybe Duggan in a full forward could be something because he, as we know, he's extremely good in the air, a great finisher. And um, even then, with his free taking, might free Tony up a small bit, give Tony a bit less, uh, you know, a bit less worry about with freeze. Uh, the way Tony Kelly has been hitting the freeze the last couple of years, you won't want to hand them over to Duggan either. But yeah, look, uh, the optimism comes from from the forward six forwards we can put out. Um, it's a huge game. It's a massive game. If Clare win, I think we have a great chance of getting out. If we lose, we could actually go on, maybe lose all four in a way. It's that kind of pivotal game. Um, because going into the Cork game, then next to lose it, then they have Limerick and Waterford to finish. So um, I think a, a win is, is massive if they can get a win here. Um, yeah, it sets them up rightly to, to qualify. Perfect. Yeah, Karen and James, put your heads on the block there. Um, in terms of tip Clare, who, who are you fancying? Karen, start with you first. On one hand, I'm thinking Tip have had the game. 
you know, and uh, it'll be a spirited kind of, you know, easy for them to go training this week. I think, you know, after the performance they put in, you know, they were heavily written off all year, you know, and they, I suppose they, in a way they've nothing to lose coming into the championship. So, um, but then Claire, as you said, Roy, there's, there's no, no, no word about him. Uh, I don't think Claire will would fear Cork either going into the next game. You know, the whole Ed Sheeran saga and the game being on in Turles, you know, it's, has to be motivation for him. And the way Cork played against Limerick, I think, you know, they they wouldn't fear, you know, and, and they go at him. But uh, I think this one's hard to call. Just because Tipperary have had the extra game and and a good performance, I'm just going to just tip, tip just to shade, I think. James, uh, what do you think? Yeah, very tight one to call. Um, the flip side of that, um, Kieran, is that, uh, you know, Tip right, you 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 flagged that last week. Last week actually, where you said this, um, you know, Tip were there waiting in the long grass, um, to ambush Waterford. They were sitting there nicely. Now they've um they've had their game and um they've effectively showed their hand. You know what I mean? So um, clearly, they've had the week to assess it. Um, I think it's very very tough to call. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a draw, but I'm going to just just um side was clear on this one. Rory, probably an easy decision for you. I, I, okay, I, I'm I'm thinking that we're going to get goals. I'm thinking that Shane O'Donnell, Rogers, and uh, and Meehan inside there are going to be a huge handful. I'm just ho- like hoping delivery. I, I think we could like it could be a kind of a game where you get three, four goals, and we probably will need that. Like at the other end, Noel McGrath, Jason Ford, kind of sharpshooters. Tip will always put up a certain you know a big score. It might be goals, and I just think we have goals in us now. Um, Kelly, of course, as well, and Tarlis, uh Just uh, if he turns it on as well, it's uh, yeah, again, Clare will have to score heavily because we don't have the best six backs in, in, in the championship. And I just see, I have a feeling that it, that yeah, I think it's going to be one of those days where, where um, yeah, just just a whole positivity now with with players coming back and like we're in a far better place to we now than we were at the start of the league. And and also just yeah, the fact they've had a chance to watch the Prairie as well. Um. I know you could say it's great to have a game under your belt, but you also an opportunity to kind of, you know, learn from what, what went on and see can you find weaknesses and target that. Yeah, and I just think that, yeah, I think we're going to... Just say clear. Yeah, clear. Clear kind of finished the, finished the league kind of well, and it, it's not like the league was, you know, that far ago, that long ago. You know, like previous um, years, you have a long lead off between in the league and the championship. Now it's... I, I, yeah, I wouldn't think that the extra game is going to make that much of a difference. We'll see. I thought we'd see. We'll see it the weekend now. Like, but James Owens is down to Reftis, which is a complete. <laughs> can't believe it. After, I was like, about to ask, uh, what was your reaction to that, uh, Rory, uh, given uh, last year? It was a foul-mouthed tirade anyway when I saw you <laughs> down there. Like, I, I don't get, I don't get what the GA are doing here because if there's another controversial. Because this is three years in a row, if you remember, he sent off David McNerney against Leash and to the bafflement of everyone. And he, he claimed he struck. No one saw the strike. There was no, no there was no video evidence to exonerate him either. But so Claire had a bone to pick him over that. Then you had the, the ghost penalty last year. And uh, so third time yeah, lucky. I'm just saying, yeah, if there's a, but if there's a third major incident goes against Claire this year, there'd be questions asked about that appointment. Like, you know, hope you sent the Christmas cards to James Owens last year, uh, last Christmas. Uh, out of all the referees in the country to appoint him again for a Clare Tipperary game I just thought it was still better than Johnny Murphy though <laughs> <laughs> I would leave Johnny out of it not to be fair Wait, but, uh, Johnny Murphy referees the tip games I'd James, James, James Owens uh, wouldn't have a great tip reputation in club games in Wexford so you know it's um, it's hard to see that he's even an intercounty referee you know mm. yeah we might we might move swiftly along before we get into trouble here but uh, Limerick Waterford guys on Saturday. Uh, what's what's your picks there uh, on Saturday night? I, I think it'll be a classic. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I think there's not going to be much in it. I'd maybe a slight edge to Limerick just purely because of the record of Waterford and Gaelic grounds is not the greatest. But I expect Waterford to really turn up and produce performance. I think like you, Kieran, might be the worst idea. You know, to produce a performance, two three point loss, because literally Waterford really have to beat Limerick three times maybe potentially uh, come the championship. So. I'll go for Limerick. Uh, what about yourself, Karen? Yeah, I suppose if you look at Waterford's game, you know, running from deep, and you saw Limerick the way they stood up against Cork last week, and it was just a green wall, you know. And 
I think one player who's I think he's an unsung hero really in that number team is Willow Dunhu. The you know, the destruction he does in there and he's had Jamie Barron's number for the last couple of games. I think he completely you know, completely took him out of the game. So if, if Barron does start, you know, um I think it's a huge match up there. Uh my one my one concern for Limerick is the the full forward line. Now I know we can you know, a lot of our scores do come from out the field. Uh I saw a Saturday where seven points of the two twenty five were from actually from the from defenders from play. So we're not necessarily relying on scores from the full forward line, but uh I think just defensively, um, you know, I think we stop Waterford's running game, uh home advantage. Uh not gonna go against them again, I'm gonna say Limerick. Okay. Uh James. We kind of need we need this game to be what we hope it to be. Um, if Limerick were to do what they did on Sunday to Waterford, we're kind of looking at a fairly um, damp squib of a Munster Championship then, aren't we? Like, so we're, we're, we're hoping that Waterford turn up, hoping that Waterford um, put in a performance. And I think it's hard. I think it's hard to go against Limerick. Um, I, I, I'd probably just go with Limerick to... to to, to shade it alright on the on the back of hopefully Waterford turning up at a performance, but it wouldn't surprise me either if you know the, looking at the moment that we're looking at the championship, it's looking like league is a million miles off from all the form lines in the league are look like completely wrong. So hopefully Waterford turn up. That's all, I, that's all I'll be looking for is is a good performance out of Waterford. Absolutely, Rory. Yeah, just the fact like we kind of know what we're going to get from Limerick, and there's still question marks. Can Waterford hit that level? They've shown glimpses of it. Um, but yeah, look, we, we'll know where, where Waterford really stand at the weekend. And uh, yeah, if, if Limerick do blow them out of it, as James said, might you know, could happen. Uh, it does look like you know that, that. Is there anyone going to shove it up to Limerick this year? But if there is somebody, and uh, like Waterford do seem to have that game they they kind of mirror Limerick in a way um Tyg the Burka back in there is he okay didn't have the best of first half last week but grew into the game as it went on um yeah look there and uh, made a comment about their bench earlier but they are definitely stronger de- than they were um so yeah look hopefully it'll be a ding-dong battle but look we just we know more about Limerick and that we know what Limerick will produce and Waterford is just we don't like we actually don't know is Waterford's best good enough to still beat Limerick just don't know that like whereas we know Limerick's best is good enough to beat Waterford like you know what I mean yeah, that's the thing after, after, like how has the gap closed that we're, I think we're all kind of it was the same like Kenny were on top uh, you know you, you want you want it to be competitive and you don't want you know a huge gap one team hoovering things up I know like, obviously you guys do in Limerick but you're just like at, at the, after the All Ireland last year, you would have said Limerick are miles better than everyone, and it's just the league. You're thinking, have they come back to the pack a bit and have the pack close the gap to them? And you're, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure on that. And yeah, it's, you're, you're you really are just hoping that Waterford can put it up them and that it is the game that we hope it's going to be. Because if it's not, who do you see putting it up to Limerick for the remainder of the year? I don't see any other. I don't see any team in Leinster, so it's it, it's Waterford really that's um we're, we're kind of relying on for, like, you're it, it probably looking at it, it, it probably going to be Limerick and Waterford um in the Munster final and depending how things go, probably could see that in the All Ireland final too. So you 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 want you want it to be competitive. You don't want it to be a blowout. One one interesting thing is that Waterford actually have a two week break after this game. So, you know, certain, I suppose a certain uh, concern for management is, you know, player welfare and player, you know, recovery after games. So I think like Waterford can allow themselves to really go at it and, you know, it'll be a titanic battle or a hard game. They'll have it's, to it's, actually the ideal, it's actually the ideal um, setup for the, for the Munster Robin is um, two games and then the two week break and then two games to finish off. And mm. If you can get it like that, it's, it's perfect. Yeah. And just as well, the, the way Limerick, the, the, the game Limerick played against Cork, the energy that takes out of a team to do that. Now it's mesmerizing to watch it, and you know six days later, like it's a, it's a quick yeah, turnout. Yeah, it's hard to like keep repeating that, and it wouldn't be surprised if there is a, a game where Limerick do have a lull, and if if there's one team they don't want to have a lull against, probably Waterford. So 
Um, yeah, so look, it just it makes for an intriguing game at the weekend. Both games uh, for different reasons. I think it's a big, it's a bigger game. It's a bigger game for Waterford than Limerick. Like Limerick have got the results um, the, the mm-hmm. last week, and they're look, I, I, they're not going to. I can't see them losing against Tip or Clare. So if they, they could afford to lose this game, all right. If you know they're still probably going to come out in, in Munster. So I think it is. I think it's huge for Waterford. I, I know what you're saying, Kieran, that that's um, you know. A close defeat, but I, I think it's a big it's a big game for Waterford just to, to, to lay down a marker. That's if Limerick were to go out and steamroll them, it's you know you're so look, so looking forward to the championship. We just we just seem kind of flat going forward, you know. It's all to be revealed around nine o'clock on Saturday night, anyway. But uh, yeah, I, I think there's some intriguing fixtures there, guys. Um, I don't think the championship is done by a long shot, anyway. And you have Kilkenny there and Galway, Wexford, Dublin there. May have a bit of a say come uh, July. Uh, guys, we'll leave it there. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, Rory, Kieran, and James uh, for your time tonight. Great insights as always. And uh, yeah, we'll come back next week and kind of review the action from uh, round two of the provincials. And maybe, maybe if we have time, uh, look at the underage uh, stuff as well. We promised it this week, but I think uh, time's got the better of us this week. Uh, thanks again, guys. Cheers, Mark. Cheers, Mark. Cheers, lads. See you now. See you, lads. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles and reports.